This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. Hello, friends. Well, today I'll do something a little different than what's gone before, but it'll come up again in the future. I'd like to play a recording of a sermon that I gave a few years ago at St. James United Methodist Church in Athens, Georgia. Apologies to my European or African friends who may listen to this, people that are not in America. I think I may make reference to American culture a little bit more than I would otherwise, and also may make reference to American measures, systems of measurement. So, sorry about that. The theme is treasure in jars of clay. And along with the Apostle John, I hope that the things I share will encourage you to believe that Jesus is the Messiah and by believing have life in his name. Good morning, everyone. It's really an honor to be here. You just heard that Jesus is the reason for the season. I saw a commercial that said, the Christmas tree is the heart of our Christmas traditions. They were selling Christmas trees, and so they, they said that the Christmas tree was the heart of our traditions. We need to guard ourselves and remember not to get swept away with all of the, the world's way of thinking about things and really keep our hearts turned to God. I have traveled in quite a few countries over the last 16 years. I never intended to live overseas. Uh, never thought that I would, never desired it, really. And God really surprised me uh, by being in different cultures and seeing the church worldwide. Uh, and I was thinking that St. James also ministers in a lot of different cultures, even the ones, the cultures that are here on this continent. There are just lots of different cultures around. And uh, he really knows how to bridge all of those different cultures and all, the, all of those hearts as I was preparing today, I, I really realized that I was going to be uh, weaving together three different threads. So I'll be talking about three different things, but I think they're all going to come together. The first one is the unity of the body of Christ, something that God has allowed me to experience, to witness and also experience in my travels. My first summer in Russia, before I moved there full-time, that was the summer of 2000, I spent about three months working in Russia, helping mission teams do ministry in Russian summer camps, primarily helping orphans in those summer camps. Uh, we had flown into Helsinki and then driven into Russia. It's about a five-hour drive or so from Helsinki, Finland, into Russia. And on our way out, we needed to leave Russia, go through Finland, and fly out. We were flying out on a Monday. So the Sunday before, we were in Finland and we went to a little um, Finnish church where I met a Finnish potato farmer named uh, Jako Hakala. That's one of my favorite names in all the world, Jako Hakala. Turn to your neighbor and say, Jako Hakala. <laughs> it's just like a Jako Hakala. It's just great. Just great. I have a lot of stories to tell about Jako. He was a wiry probably 70-year-old uh, Finnish potato farmer. And he had a farm, a family farm, that raised over 2 million pounds of potatoes every year. <laughs> 2 million pounds, huge barns. So they would grow them, and then all through the winter they were processing these potatoes. And he was a member of uh, an organization 
that is the, I guess it's the Christian Finnish Potato Farmers Association. And um, one of the things that they did is every year, uh, they still do it, I'm sure, they give away a train load of potatoes to countries that are in famine. A train load. I was talking to him about it, and, you know, his part was one boxcar. The day before I flew out of, uh, from Helsinki, we went to his church. And it was a little church out in the countryside in Finland. Small church, maybe half or a third of the size of this. Mostly farmers. Uh, that was all very new to me. Uh, and I remember feeling it was very foreign. Of course, the service is in Finnish. And at the end of the service, they sang in Finnish, How Great Thou Art. And I just felt, wow, this is great. You know, I really feel... I'm feeling at home. So Monday, uh, flew to the States, here to Atlanta. And then that next weekend, a few days later, we drove up into western Tennessee, where my uh, family, my dad grew up, and where we still have aunts, uncles, and cousins and things. And on the next Sunday, seven days later, we went to this little Methodist church right across the Kentucky state line. And it's a small country church, a half to a third the size of this, and a bunch of farmers around little church, and at the end of that service, we sang, How Great Thou Art. So a week later, and that really, really touched my heart, that God has his people in all of these cultures, and he loves his church so much. He loves his church so much. And we have this unity in the spirit that um, those of us who travel in other cultures, we see it and experience it. And I want to bring that as one of the threads of my talk today, that we, as a congregation here at St. James, are a part of that worldwide church of God, and we have spiritual unity with them. You know, we really live by the Spirit. And it grieves my heart to hear people, Christians, speak badly about the church. And, you know, sometimes uh, complaints are made, and certainly the church has its faults in different ways, but God really loves the church. We are his bride. We're the bride of Christ. We, the church, are his bride, and he really loves us very much. We have the same Lord. We have the same king. We have the same brother in Jesus. So that's the first thread, that unity of the spirit that we have. The second is from the scripture today about jars of clay. And I'll focus on jars of clay and focus on the treasure in a minute. As I was thinking about this, I thought of a few things. This is a great image, the jars of clay, that we are like jars of clay. So I thought of three things. There's surely more that could be said about literal jars of clay. The first thing is that jars of clay are temporary. When they do excavations of the ruins and archaeology, those jars of clay are smashed and battered and in pieces. They're temporary. Look around this room. Can you see anything that's eternal? Look at your neighbor. Can you see anything that's eternal? No, there's nothing eternal here in this room, nothing that we can see. Uh, The disciples said to Jesus, look at this great temple. Isn't it a beauty? And he said, you know, one day it's going to come that not a single stone is going to stand. And I'll say that about this building. There will come a time when not a single brick stands here at St. James. The only thing in this room that's eternal, is the spirits of the people and the spirit of God. That's what's eternal. The flesh that we have is like a a jar of clay. It's temporary. 
It's just temporary. Another thing about jars of clay is that they're made of earth. They're made of clay like we are. And they have a function, but one that, once that function is done, then they break and fall apart and dissolve back into earth again, as our jars of clay do. God made us of the earth, made us for a function, but what we see here, these jars of clay, are, they're going to fade back into earth like we are made of earth. Clay jars, though they are temporary, are made to hold something. And usually it's something of value, uh, wine or oils or things like that, that there is a function for those simple, temporary, fragile, brittle jars of clay. They're made to hold something. They're made to hold something of great value. There are jars mentioned in the scriptures that come to mind that help illustrate this in particular. Jesus, when he was at the wedding in Cana of Galilee, you all know the story. There were empty jars there. There were six of them. They were quite large, holding a total of 120 to 180 gallons. That could be as much as 700 pounds of water. When he said to the servants, go fill those up, they had to haul 700 pounds of water to fill up those jars. And those jars were made of stone. They held the water that was used in ceremonial cleansing. It says the, the water that was used by the Jews in their religious rites to cleanse their bodies before services. So he filled those jars with this water that was made to, supposed to cleanse the outside of the body, and he turned it into wine. Remember, John says that this is a sign miracle. It's a sign. You see the exit signs. The exit is not the sign. The sign is not the exit. The sign points to the exit. This miracle of turning water into wine is a sign that points to something. It turns our direction in a way. That's what John says. It's a sign miracle. There are seven of them in the book of John. So what is the sign that this miracle points to? Well, he turned this water that was intended for uh, washing the outside of the body ceremonial. He turned it into wine, which goes inside the body and gives life. You see the sign that that's pointing forward? This ceremonial washing of the outside of the body, Jesus turns it into something that's going into people. And it's good. It's the best ever. And it brings life from the inside. That's the sign. We are jars of clay. And we are built to hold something of tremendous value. These jars of clay are made to hold something of tremendous value. This treasure in jars of clay. I'd like to tell a story about a jar of clay that I know. I've already told you about Yako Hakala, a Finnish jar of clay. About a year and a half ago, I got an email. And it was from a, a man in Uganda who claimed to be a pastor. And he was writing to make connection. And, and I thought, you know, this is a scam. This, you get an email from Africa completely unexpectedly. And I thought, uh, you know, I'm just not going to, I'm not even going to follow this up. But in my spirit, God was prompting me that I needed to reply to this email and continue and find out more. So as I communicated with him, he's a, he's a young man named Sam Bahirwa, uh, living in the mountains of Uganda. And I uh, had some friends 
interesting connections. There's a Ugandan who lives in Montenegro, so some of her friends called and checked on this guy, and Sam seemed to actually be a pastor, to my surprise. I didn't expect that to be the case. Uh, Sam had been living in Fort Portal, Uganda, over in the western side of Uganda, uh, living in a town, a nice city, in an apartment with running water and you know electricity. And he had a dream. And in the dream, he saw a spring of water. And he heard what he took to be the voice of God say to him, What do you call this? And he said, Lord, I don't, I don't know what to call it. A little bit later, maybe a week or two later, he had the same dream, this spring of water flowing. And he heard this voice say, what do you call this? He said, Lord, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to call it. And he heard the words spring of revival. That's what you call this, the spring of revival. And he was moved in his heart to leave his home with his wife and two young children and move up into the mountains in Uganda and plant a church. He heard this word spring of revival, so he Googled himself. Like, how many people here have Googled yourself? Okay, you don't. No. So he Googled spring of revival. And we have a program in Minsk, Belarus, called Spring of Revival. So that's how he came to us. That's why I got that email. He was just looking. He said, well, here's this word, something God gave me. And then he sent an email. Hi, I have a ministry called Spring of Revival. So we connected, and I really felt like I should continue talking to him. Of course, I had no idea when I would ever be in Uganda, for goodness sake. I live in Russia, travel around Eastern Europe. I had absolutely no intention of going to Uganda, but felt like I should continue talk, talking with him. He moved up into the mountains, and he built a house out of mud and sticks, by hand, uh, it's called in the Middle Ages, I think it was called wattle and daub, which is basically a bunch of sticks and a bunch of mud. And then you put a roof on it quickly because if it rains, the house dissolves. And he built a house for himself, his wife and family, and started building a church up in the mountains there. As a matter of fact, a few weeks ago, there was a big windstorm. It blew the roof off of his house, dissolved his house, and they were sleeping under the stars for eight days, he and his wife and two children. That's something. He left that home and went up into the mountains, just like Abram did in the Old Testament. He was called to leave Ur and go to a land that he knew not. Archaeology has found in Ur that the houses had running water through them and nice heating systems. And, and Abram was a settled man in that place, and he left because God called him to go and live in tents for the rest of his life. Who among us at 80 years old would leave the comfort that we have? And go live in a tent for the rest of our days. Sam is that jar of clay who heard the voice of God and went and was obedient. In June of this year, I was at a conference in Norway, far, far above the Arctic Circle. And there was a man there who had lived in Africa, and he invited me to go to Uganda to speak at a conference. So I looked at the map. I was going to Kasese in Uganda and also in the Democratic Republic of Congo next door. And it turns out it's within driving distance of where Sam lives. So I wrote Sam and said, Sam, I'm going to be in Uganda. Come see me. It was beautiful. Who would have ever thought? I had absolutely no plan that I would ever see him. So I got to have a meal in his home and see his house, meet his family. He's uh, built up relationships among pastors in the area. 
He's invited me to come and do a seminar, and he said he can get 200 people together up in the mountains. He's ministering to orphans. He's, he's uh, working with young men who don't have any job skills. We sent some money so they could buy some hand tools for woodworking. Sam is just, he's the real deal. He's a jar of clay that heard God's call and was obedient, and there's so much good fruit that's happening. Now, I have a, war, a word of warning about telling these stories is that that can lull us into being spectators. And I've said it before up here that the American culture in particular pushes people to be spectators, to sit back and watch things that are important happening or we think are important. Uh, Watching movies, you passively watch it, you feel like something real happened, but you're actually just watching it happen. Television, uh, sports events, all kinds of popular culture. It, it tends to make us passively take the role of spectators. And that can happen when we're reading stories, uh, missionary stories, or hearing stories about somebody like Sam. It can really be a great danger that we can hear these stories and then leave unchanged, basically. Just watch it happen, but not actually enter into it. In Philippians chapter 2, this was uh, just read earlier. Our attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. We here have so many blessings, and the Lord sets the example for us that we should not hang on to those, but we should release those things. We should let go of all of those things that give us status or comfort or wealth. Think of all that... Jesus had when he was in heaven with God the Father. And then he came to this earth and limited himself in so many ways. And people will say that they don't like being treated like a doormat. But Jesus made himself less than a doormat. Because the scriptures say he became nothing. He went all the way down. And then just right after this it says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place. In the kingdom of God we... We jars of clay should just be willing to go down and down and more and more humble. And then God lifts us up. He puts us in the place that he wants us to be. And James 4.10 says, Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. It's okay to be a jar of clay. We live in a culture, this culture, that, I don't know, makes people want to be feel like they're perfect or I can do it, I can make things happen, I can do well, and any sign of imperfection or failing is hidden but in the kingdom of god it's actually preferable to be a jar of clay to recognize our weakness our failing that we really have nothing that we can bring to god we have nothing that god needs because he gave us everything we have anyway to just have that humility coming before him we are weak but he is strong Uh, James and Peter both say in the scripture that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He draws near to the brokenhearted. If you're going through something hard and you're very aware of your weakness and your brittleness, that's okay. We are that way, and God is the healer of all. And he wants that power to come in to set things right. It's all right that we come to the point in life where we don't look to ourselves For our healing, we look out to God. This brings to mind Wesley's covenant prayer. 
It's from a service that he first performed in 1755. And this Wesley's Covenant prayer is just great about how we, we have to surrender everything when we come to God. This has been very meaningful to me. I'll read it in a second. I've shared it in different cultures and languages. I shared it in Montenegro, and a friend typed it up in Serbian and stuck it on their kitchen wall. So I'll read the, the covenant prayer from uh, John Wesley. I am no longer my own but yours. Put me to what you will. Rank me with who you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you or laid aside for you. Exalted for you or brought low for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. The thing that touches me about that prayer is that we want to be successful people. And so often we pray for the good things. Let me be full. Let me be everything. Have everything. But this prayer is so good. It's like, God, whatever you want, I'll take that. Whatever you want. Olga and I say that we do not want to choose our life. We want to live the life that God gives us. So we're looking out to receive what he has for us. Where I am, what I do, who I'm with, how I spend my time, none of that is my decision because Christ is the head. That's where I want to live. That's the example that Jesus gives. He said, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say the words that the Father gives me to say. So now we come to treasure. What is the treasure in these jars of clay? Uh, We read in 2 Corinthians, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light to shine in our hearts. Imagine the power of the word of God when he says, Let there be light, and there is light. Think how powerful that is. He just says it, and it happens. And that power that he has there made his light to shine in our hearts, to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. That same power that said, let there be light, and there was light, says into your heart, let there be light there. Let there be life there. It's the same power. And Paul says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. It's not from us. A finished potato farmer is not the light of the world. A pastor in Uganda is not the one who brings change or unity. It's the power of God, the spirit of God, the presence of God, the knowledge of God. That's what binds us all together around the world. That's what gives power. It's the gospel. It's the good news. The knowledge of God's glory through Christ. The knowledge, actually knowing him. In Ezekiel 36, it's one of the statements of the coming new covenant to the nation of Israel. And Ezekiel says, this is what the Lord says, I will give you a new heart and I'll put a new spirit in you. I'll remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. That is that treasure in jars of clay that we have, that promise of the giving of the Holy Spirit. That was unheard of. That's why it's a new covenant. Unheard of. What other world religions would talk in such a way 
that would say God actually comes to live in his people and we become his children. He's a loving dad. The treasure is the gift of God. It's the hope of glory. The Bible says Christ in you. And it's not a religious observance. It is not like the washing of the body for religious ceremonies. It is entering into the life of God. That's what God desires for us. It's not only believing, it's actually receiving his life. And John says in chapter 20 that he wrote all of the book of John so that we would believe that Jesus is the Messiah and by believing have life in his name. It's having life in his name is the goal. God wants that life to flow through us. Our jars of clay hold this holy thing. Sam and Yako are very different but it's God's power through them that brings the kingdom of God on earth. So I'm going to close up here with a scripture and a few thoughts about it. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 7 and following. Paul says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all of God's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence." This manifold grace of God is God's purpose, that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God would be seen. This word manifold means multifaceted. Lots of different faces. It looks different. It can look like donating potatoes uh, in Finland. It can look like building a church in Uganda. Yesterday, as we were wrapping uh, some lights around the tree, we have a tree in our front yard, and we were wrapping the Christmas lights there, there was some trash left over from all of that. And I was walking down the driveway to throw away this trash. And I was pondering this. And I said, you know, we just wrapped a tree, but the lights are going to come off sometime. That tree is not eternal. I'm doing these things that are temporary. They're beautiful, but temporary. Lord, how can I enter into this eternal kingdom now as I'm walking down the driveway? And God put it on my heart to intercede, to pray for somebody who doesn't know the Lord, somebody who's lost. So as I'm walking down the driveway with trash in my hands, I am entering into the eternal work of God. It doesn't have to be donating train loads of potatoes. or It's just we need to do what God calls us to do. Our jars of clay get brittle. Our jars of clay get weak, but we can always enter into that life of God. We listen to him and then let his power flow. God wants us, the church, to express that multifaceted grace. That's what he wants. That's what he's doing. That's why he's built us. That's why he's made these little jars of clay that are brittle and fragile and temporary. Because the mystery is his life flows that way. That's what he wants to do. That's his will for us. In Christ and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you so much uh, for the 
encouragement that your word brings. Amen, God, that you don't by any means expect us to come to you perfect and prepared. You know that we are like jars of clay. And uh, Lord, I thank you for the, the comfort that brings, that we can lay everything on you. Lord, anything that I've shared today that is of you and of your spirit, I pray that it will go deep in our hearts and bear fruit, eternal fruit, fruit that is pleasing to you, that brings glory to you. And Lord, I pray through all of these things that we do as we go through the holidays, work in these things so that we can love you more deeply and that we can love other people more purely with your love. Amen. Jesus said to his disciples, Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Thank you for listening, and God bless you all.